Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? In the season's worst conditions, winter tires are a game changer. They elevate traction, control, and confidence. They sell only the best, like the full line of Kumo tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to your one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. Bring in John Campbell from Odd Shark right now. Uh, John Campbell, are the Cavs the greatest team in the history of team sports now because of the trades they made? <laughs> I, I don't know about that. Uh, their odds didn't even really move that much, but on the day, the trade deadline day, they were going up and down like an elevator. They were as high at, at 12 to 1 to win the NBA championship, and now they're back down to 6 to 1. So they're even money to win the Eastern Conference, and they're looking good through a couple games here. Have you had awful Valentine's Day experiences in your life? Well, I remember one, I think I was in grade three, where our teacher uh, gave the girls a love potion and told them it would fall madly in love with their crush in the class, and the girls ended up chasing me around the playground for an hour. I was running for my life, so when uh, when I thought back to Valentine's Day, that was the one that kind of stuck out. Uh, at least you were a stud, third grade player. Um, all the girls wanted you. All right, there's a couple of uh, fascinating stories. And by the way, we're going to get to your calls uh, for your worst Valentine's Day experiences of your life uh, when we uh, when we finish here with John Campbell. But I love this story. Obviously, I was in the Supreme Court watching the argument for the state of New Jersey against uh, PASPA in the United States on whether or not individual states could decide to legalize sports gambling. And in a incredible irony there are now odds where you can gamble online on whether or not the law is going to be overturned, which is like looking into the through, going through the looking glass here. You can gamble on whether or not sports gambling is going to be legally allowed in the United States. Uh, and right now, there's a minus 130 that it's going to be overturned and that every individual state will be able to uh, to make a decision. Also, this is kind of uh, soon. I, I didn't realize it was going to be this fast. March 5th now favored to be the date that the Supreme Court is going to hand down the ruling uh, at even money. What do you think is going to happen in this case? And for people out there, what does minus 130 mean? 
Well, minus one thirty means that you have to risk one hundred and thirty dollars to win one hundred. So, the standard line is minus one ten, one hundred and ten to win a hundred. So, it's not too much more than that. So, yes is now favored, and uh, and that's a little bit unexpected. just looking at the way this case has gone all along, I don't think many people expected yes to be favored at this point in things. And I think that does surprise a lot of people. I think a lot of people were expecting the summer to be when when this decision came, but it's looking like it's either going to be March or April. April 2nd is the second favorite at plus 150 there. I don't think, I think this is a lot of hype that has pushed this to yes. I actually think they might come down and say no. I know a lot of people want it to be yes, but I don't see how legally they can overturn this one. Uh, but I do think it will ultimately lead to legislation that will change the law here. Yeah, I love yes here. Uh, I was there in person. I think it's going to be a 6-3 to three decision, giving New Jersey the right to allow sports gambling. So if you want to play this line, I love minus 130. What is that on percentage basis? Like 60% that they think it's going to be overturned? Is that roughly? Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Okay, a couple of other things that I think are uh, interesting. The NBA All-Star Game is not this weekend, but or it is this weekend, right? All the days run together. It's this weekend, (laughs) and I've made money because you just basically bet the over blindly in the NBA All-Star Game because nobody plays defense. But this year, they have actually gone out and drafted the two teams themselves. Is that going to change the way you play this game? I think so, yeah. And you're right. Five of the last six All-Star games have played over, and the last three years we've seen we've seen the, high, the three highest-scoring uh, All-Star games that we've ever seen. So I think this year might be a good year to kind of look under where a, a total might be set pretty high here. And uh, with this new format, it's designed to be to make the game a little bit more competitive. And if they set this total too high in the 340, something like that, I think uh, I'll be looking under in this one. Um, the Winter Olympics are going on. Sean White obviously wins the uh, gold medal last night in the half pipe uh, doing his snowboarding uh, tricks. So how much gambling is actually going on with the Winter Olympics? Is this something that people are really kind of jumping into and wagering substantial amounts on, or is it more for show than for actual substance? Yeah, it's it's more for show. I actually polled my Twitter followers on this one, and 85% of them said they are not betting on the Olympics. But I don't know how uh, you can watch the Olympics if you're not betting on it. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think it's more for show. It, I, it will pick up when hockey starts here, which it starts today. USA plays this morning. And uh, I think we'll see more betting on that. But typically, it, it, there are a lot of odds and offerings out there. People just don't bet on it very much. We're talking to John Campbell. You can follow him on Twitter at Johnny Oddshark on uh, on Twitter there. You can also read him at Oddshark and watch his videos at oddshark.com. Uh, okay, what about the uh, what about the college basketball national title odds? Um, there are, you know, UVA, Villanova, Michigan State seem probably to be the top three teams, I would say, right now, but it also seems to be insanely wide open. Is that just my feeling, or is it also reflected in the odds market? Uh, no, it, it is reflected in the odds market, and, and I really don't remember this much of a logjam and, and also this much value on the futures board this late in the season. Right now, Xavier is projected to be uh, a number one seed, and they're 22-1, to 1, which wow. uh, just blows me away a little bit. I think that's one that you absolutely have to take. That's one I've taken. There are a few more out there. West Virginia is 25-1. They're a team that's been overlooked because they had a rough stretch in, in January. 
but they're coming on. Ohio State leading the Big Ten, they're forty to one. It, wow! To me, that, yeah, that's that's another surprise. And, and uh, Auburn at the top of the SEC, they're fifty to one. So there's a I, there's a lot of value out there in uh, in college hoops this year. It, you do your homework, and, and uh, you can make some money for sure. Um, what about so? It's uh, golf is starting to get a little bit more attention. It's still a little bit of ways. I, I don't ever really feel like it's master. It's officially spring until the master starts. But Tiger Woods is coming back. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all. He's at five to one to win a major this year, which is uh, which is kind of uh, amazing. And he's minus one forty to make the cut this week. Is Tiger back? <laughs> which is a question people have been he... asking for a decade now. <laughs> exactly. That's the answer to the question. I mean, uh, no, I don't think he's back. I think the odds for him to win a major at five to one are just insane. And uh, Tiger's just one of those players or teams that people bet on him no matter what because they're cheering for him so hard. And and he's only between twenty and twenty-five to one to win every to win each of the majors this year. And I think that's crazy too. I you won't find me betting on Tiger until he wins here. I need to see it to believe it. Outstanding stuff as always. Appreciate uh, the time, my man, John Campbell. Go follow him at Johnny Oddshark on Twitter. Happy Valentine's Day, my man. Thanks, Clay. Same to you. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is always a confident show, particularly when we, we have my guy Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. And LT, we start off with only the biggest issues in the world today, and that is this one. I have made the argument that if I spent the next four years training as a curler, all right, that I could make the U.S. Olympic curling team. All I would do full-time, you know, like 50 or 60 hours a week is trained to be a curler. I'd get the best curling training imaginable, have like the, you know, Mr. Miyagi of curling coaches out there with me every day, refining my technique. Would I be good enough to be in the Olympic mix if I spent four years exclusively doing it? I'm not going to knock it because I spent a lot of time in bars, uh, especially back in the college days, and I'm sure you did as well. And it seemed like the guys that were in there the most, you know, either throwing darts or playing pool or whatever the sawdust game is with the puck. Yep. What is that thing called? Uh, shuffle. Uh, that is a good question. What is that game called? Um, I was going to say shuffleboard, but it's not shuffleboard because that's like the cruise ship game that people play. I know everybody yeah. knows listening to us right now what you're yeah. talking about. Like you just roll, you just kind of slide the thing down and but try to have it like land on least. points at least experienced game. You know, I played a lot of pool. I would play darts every now and then. And every time I would play that shuffleboard thing with the sawdust, but there was always a guy that was really, really good at that. And I assumed, you know, he did something during the day outside of play that. Um, So if you devoted your time to doing nothing but curling, because I would assume curlers too, I've never seen, we need to do one of these E60s on behind the scenes on curlers, because I think this is kind of the go-to for people that really don't follow the Olympics as the sport that maybe we could compete in and be uh, competitive. And I just don't know if they really spend 24-7, you know, involved in curling. I doubt they do. I bet they've got regular jobs. I bet they've got nine-to-fives, and I bet they curl on weekends, and that's about it. So I'm not going to doubt it. And here's the other thing. There's no physical limitations that would keep you from doing it, and hardly anybody does it. That's my argument for why I could pull it off, is that how many people do you think in a year have curled for more than 10 hours total in the United States? 
um, I don't know, a less than a, you know, zero zero point one percent. Yeah, like my argument is there's probably like 20,000 people in the whole United States who have spent more than 10 hours curling this year. And if you compare that with, say, basketball or golf or football or any other sport that is highly competitive in the United States, even skiing, like uh, snowboarding, all those things, lots of people do lots of hours doing them. So literally of all the sports, you could win a gold medal. I'm not sure there is a better uh, odds for your average person than curling because everything else that I've ever seen where you have to win a gold medal, you would think that people spend a long time doing it and you could do it in all weather conditions. I think this is the fewest number of people who do it competitively with the best chance to win a medal of any sport in America. And I would think it would be the only sport where you really don't have to uh, do any cardio. Oh, I mean, totally. Do you think anybody's on the elliptical getting ready for uh, curling? No. I mean, I've seen the physical body types of some of these guys. One of them looks like Andy Reid. I mean, I, I, I don't think that if Andy Reid, a lookalike, can do it, that I'm going to be physically unable to pull it off. Like, I, I think the physical, the physicality of it, not only that, but the size. You know, like, there are lots of things that you could be good at, but, like, the best basketball player in the world could end up being 5'5", right? And you would just be totally screwed. So, for instance, imagine if LeBron James has every single physical characteristic that he has right now, except he happens to be five foot five. There's no way he plays in the NBA, right? Like LeBron James could be able to pull off everything else about his game. He could be sickly athletic. He could be able to jump out of the gym. He could be able to, you know, like incredibly ripped, like physically the same body fat, everything else, except he happens to be five five. He never plays in the NBA, right? I mean, it might be kind of a, a unique situation. He's not going to be LeBron James, and I don't think the career is going to span nearly as long and be um, the impactful career of LeBron James. But I get what you're saying. Like, so, but the body type thing is basically not significant when it comes to this sport. And there are a lot of other sports where it would be. Like, for instance, if you look at Michael Phelps, this is why, like, the Olympics has become so intriguing in many ways. Michael Phelps has a weird body type, right? His legs are very short and his arms are insanely long, which is the ideal swimming body type to have. It's not just that Michael Phelps works his ass off and everything else. It's that he also has the perfect body type to be a great swimmer. And I think that's underrated when you look at the Olympics. And I'm not sure that it matters at all in curling. I, I would agree with you. And curling seems like one of those sports, and it's probably the IOC would frown upon this, but going back to the bar activities, um, I think you could take a beer out, out on the ice, and I don't think it would really affect um, the score much. I agree. It's probably the only Olympic sport you could drink while doing and not have it impact you that much. All right. We're and talking I just to- wonder, you know, you know, Michael Phelps, I mean, the guy made millions and millions of dollars off endorsements. If you win a golden curling, do you get any endorsements? I mean, I, I think a beer company should be able to endorse. I mean, curling is, is part – um, I think it's part of our, our, our culture now. I mean, that's that's the one go-to sport that we talk about all the time. So I think, uh, you know, for the Americans, and I don't know if we're favored to win a medal in curling. I no, have no we're idea, not. But if we do, okay. Well, if we did, if we pulled an upset, 1980, uh, Lake Placid, if we, we shocked the world <laughs> and won curling, I think these guys should get an endorsement from a major beer. It's like Canadian cornhole is the way I've been describing it. Um, we're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor on Twitter. Tonight, Valentine's Day. I have got a suggestion that I have made to all my listeners. If uh, you go out for Valentine's Day dinner, something that you have done as a man many times, 
And if you pick up the check, something that I bet you have done many times as a man as well, it's accepted. It is uh, anticipated. It is the typical way that just about everybody out there is going to be spending Valentine's Day as a part of uh, our culture, no matter where you're from in in the country, no matter what you do for a living. Guys, especially if you're single, guys are all reaching out and they are picking up the check. In this modern era where women want total equality, what is the reaction if when the check comes after ordering the wine, after ordering the drinks, appetizers, nice steak dinner, you say to the woman, you got half, I'll take half, and ask for her credit card? I'm going to say the overall reaction is probably not positive, but I think um, now that you're being heard in 50 states and around the world, I think we should try to do this. Is this not a great test? Because yeah, here's my I thing. Mean, let's, women let's right now, women, it's, it's exactly right. Women want equality except when they're the beneficiaries. So it's like, oh, I want to be totally equal with you. I want equal pay. I want equal rights. I want all this thing is great. But when it comes to things that women have traditionally gotten the benefit of, which is you can go out for a great dinner on Valentine's Day and know that you can order whatever you want and drink whatever you want, and the guy sitting across from you is picking up the whole bill, what if you flip things on their head and you say, you know what, babe, in this Me Too era, I just think we need to embrace equality everywhere. You should pay for your half of the meal. Let's just go 50-50 on it. Yeah, I don't think it's going to fly. I'll tell you this, the majority of guys out there, if you try it tonight, just plan on not getting naked. That's right. That's why guys do it. Because guys thinking the whole time, she's going to sleep with me if I do X, Y, and Z. But if you suddenly say, you know what, you got to pay for half, like your odds of having sex with whoever you're out for Valentine's Day with just plummeted. Or you're going to just be in a, you're going to be in a huge hole trying to climb your way out. You know, it's kind of a sad indictment, and, and we know as, as, as uh, red-blooded American men, um, I mean, we'll basically sleep with a woman just to sleep with a woman, uh, but it's kind of a, a sad indictment to know that women will actually sleep with a guy if they buy a mistake, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I think it's an incredible deal that, that we have ended up in this. Uh, this is my argument. I bet you agree with me. My argument is in modern American society, single life drastically favors men. In other words, nowadays, like back in 1870, you know, when you had to date a woman to have like kiss her or see her ankle, that was a tough deal, right? Like you had to get married to have sex. Like that was that was a real challenge. But nowadays, like when you can hop on Tinder and just pick up a random girl, Bumble, all these different apps, it has literally never been easier for a single guy to have sex with as many different women as he wants than right now or more socially acceptable. You don't have to worry if you're not an idiot about having accidental children. You can protect yourself uh, with, you know, condoms and whatnot from STDs. It has never been easier for a random American average dude to have sex with more women when he's single than right now. Would you agree with that? Uh, I agree 100 percent. And, you know, I had uh, a really close friend that was on Tinder and I didn't know how it worked. And, you know, I'm I guess I'm technically single now, Um, but I had no idea how this Tinder thing worked. and, And I've never experimented with it. But he told me he was like, you put in a demographic. He was like, so you know the age that you're looking for. And I was just thinking to myself, I mean, I probably, I mean, this is how sick this is, but I probably would go 21 to, I mean, maybe 40, depending on. That's a big range, but I mean, that's a good, that's a a good fertile range. That's where, I mean, you know, women, single women don't have the benefit of having that two decade range. Yes. 
And so once you get married, I think the, 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 the story flips. And I think a lot of guys out there listening to me right now, they don't understand this. They're like, oh, my life's going to be the exact same when you get married. No, once you're married, women take back control of everything. Like, you don't make very many decisions in your house. Like, the, the marriage on the power dynamic, the power scale, I think drastically favors women. So once they get you committed, once they get the ring, once they get married, that's why women are so competitive to get married because they know that in the singledom world, like, it's tough. Like, they're out there fighting tooth and nail to get a guy to commit to them. Once they get married, they've got you. They got you by the balls. They own you. But when you're single, I think guys have all the control. I would agree, um, and I, I guess, um, I, you know, what is the year for a guy to get married? Is it 40? Is it 45? Because, you know... And it depends on the, the part only- of the country you live in, first of all, because there are guys right now right now, listening to us who are in L.A. that live that Peter Pan lifestyle, and they can... I'm not even kidding about this. They can have never been married. They can be like 46, 47 years old, and they can go out to the bar tonight in the South Bay, and they can pick up a smoking hot 26- or 27-year-old girl. I'm not even kidding about that. I've seen it happen so many times. I'm 38, and I'm like, my God, this is an unbelievable universe. Same thing I think is true in like New York City and Manhattan where people wait longer to get married. I think if you're in, and like we're on in all 50 states, like you were saying, I think if you're in a smaller, more rural area, you want to get married younger because your available options dwindle much faster because the more rural the area, the smaller the city, the more conservative it is, the faster people get married. Yeah, and, and look, and I, I've had friends that, you know, are in the South that didn't get married until their late 30s. Yep. And that's just something you don't see, and I'm sure you've seen it too, being in Nashville. And a lot of those guys get labeled as, well, he's not married, he's 38, he must be gay. Totally. That happens in the South all the time because if you've waited that long. And also, I think sometimes they play through their options because then you start to go back with the divorce girls because like, once you get into the upper 30s, it's tougher to pull off, oh, I'm going to date a 24-year-old girl unless you're really successful, keeping yourself in good shape, all those things. And you still might not have that much in common. Whereas if you're in L.A. or you're in New York or you're in a big city on one of the coasts or even a big city in general, I think that kind of lifestyle is more common. And so there's a lot more available options. Yeah, so what gets stereotyped more, the uh, the close to 40-year-old single male in the South or the 32 to 35-year-old really hot chick that's never been married as she's got to be completely insane? Ooh, because there definitely is that stereotype. When, you get, when you're a girl and you're really good-looking and you seem cool and you're not married and you're like 35, there's definitely there, there's a, gotta be something. what some, am I missing wrong. here? And I think that yeah. same thing happens for guys when they get into their upper 30s and they've never been married. That's a tough one. Which one is like stereotyped more? That's a, I think, it, again, it depends on the part of the country because I think if you're, and also what you do. I think if, like, if you're an insanely successful 35-year-old woman and you can just say, hey, I'm just totally focused on my career. That's the play that guys can make easily right if you're like really successful and you're 38 39 40 41 you've never been married you're like you know what i just didn't have time to commit to a relationship that line kills on the bar scene right because if you're like what do you do for a living oh i'm a lawyer i'm a doctor why why you don't have married you're not kids well you know i just been working so many hours but now i'm ready to settle down and find a life like you find a wife you are like the dream guy of a lot of women right because you've been through all the wars you make a lot of money and now you claim that you're ready to sit down for a market for a, uh, to make, have a wife. There are guys out there that have been playing that line, by the way, for a decade. 
There are guys right now listening to us who've been like, yeah, I've been the guy going out to the bar claiming that I'm ready to settle down now for a decade because it's such an unbelievable wine to drop. And it's not true because it's such a successful wine that you end up with too many good options. And this is the perfect night for those guys to go out because any single girls out on Valentine's, you know they're insecure, right? Totally. And they're upset because they're not out. All right. So also going on on Valentine's. Another reason I wanted to have you on today in particular, we're talking to Lance Taylor at the Lance Taylor, uh, the Cupid of our era uh, right now on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Okay. So um, tonight in Auburn, John Calipari going on the road with Kentucky. He's lost three straight games which has never happened, I don't believe, in his Kentucky career before. And the only reason he hadn't lost four straight games was because Vanderbilt blew it on the road at Rupp Arena. He's almost lost four straight conference games. Auburn is the number one team in the SEC. Big time surprise. Bruce Pearl got things rolling down on the plains. Kentucky, one of its worst seasons, if not the worst, under John Calipari. If they lose tonight, they would potentially be in 10th place in the SEC this year. John Calipari, people were comparing him to Nick Saban, saying he was the Nick Saban of basketball in the SEC. Where does that rank on all-time worst comparisons? I mean, a couple of years ago it wasn't. I know you're going to think this is insane because Nick Saban just prints national championships now. To me, though, the hardest thing to do in sports is to win a national championship in basketball. I just think there's so much balance, and especially when we look at a year like this year, um, but to win six consecutive games, and even if you're a one seed, first two couple of uh, first couple of games aren't that difficult. But once you get to the Sweet 16, you're playing top 25 teams, game in, game out. So to win a national championship is really difficult. Look, and I understand in nine years he's only won one, but we're still talking about a guy that has been to four Final Fours. Um, and I think the comparison more is like this. Look, Nick Saban is probably the greatest college coach we've ever seen. I think there might be a few John Wooden backers still out there. But when we're talking about the comparison of just being able to recruit, I mean, these guys, and look, the one and done doesn't look like it's working this year. I mean, with Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox, you had you had A-level players last year that were ready to play in the NBA. You're not really seeing that with this roster. But year in, year out, I mean, he just recruits to the one and done. And to be able to be that competitive and make Final Four runs, I mean, I don't really mind the comparison. I see what you're saying because he's not equating two championships year in, year out. And he's only won one, and it's been six years since he won that one. Um, but still, to go to four Final Fours in nine years in college basketball is pretty tough. When you look at, uh, at right now what's going on at Auburn, where does Bruce Pearl's run this year? I believe it's year four at Auburn. It is. It's a pretty unprecedented run because if you look at the remainder of the schedule, it looks like he's going to win, especially if they win tonight. It looks like Auburn is likely to win the SEC outright this year. What kind of money would you have put down on that not happening? I mean, this this is a major upset, and, and I know we got major upsets going on in the Big Ten with Ohio State. Nobody saw Ohio State winning the Big Ten this year, and certainly I think in the Big 12, the idea that Texas Tech was going to be the team that was uh, everybody was chasing, was laughable at the beginning of the season. I think it kind of ties in with what you were saying about this year being a total crapshoot more so than many other years. But Auburn being at the top of the SEC is a pretty massive upset already. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. If you would have given me 20, 25 to 1 for Auburn to win the SEC, I would have said it's a waste of money. You know, I would have come in and said, you know, A&M, Florida, Kentucky, uh, maybe even Alabama uh, with Colin Sexton. You know, before Michael Porter Jr. gets hurt, Missouri, 
uh, I never would have thought of Auburn. And, you know, and Bruce Pearl, when he got this job, I said, within three years of being a Sweet 16, people laughed at me because Auburn's a bad basketball program. You know, historically, they just haven't done anything. There were one seed back in 99, 2000. Since then, they've done absolutely nothing. And back then, they had an elite player in Chris Porter. This team doesn't have an elite player. So um, it's a lot of balance on this team. And, you know, I think they can lose another game or two and still get on that two line. Um, if they win out, they're going to be a one seed. I think they are going to win the SEC regular season championship. They're going to be favored to win the SEC championship, uh, the tournament in St. Louis in a few weeks. Uh, it's just been an incredible story. And Chris Holtman's done a great job at Ohio State, and that's a, a big-time surprise and a very competitive Big Ten. But if you're looking for a national coach of the year, to me, it's got to be Bruce Pearl in year four. And what's crazy, Clay, is you might have your national coach of the year, and you might have a guy that's fired in the same year with this FBI probe going on. Yeah, it is a uh, a messy situation. Now, that FBI probe, evidently they've got issues with some of their witnesses. I've been reading about yeah. this. I think the whole case is just a mess. I've been on this for a while. I don't understand why anybody cares. Like, who are the actual people that are being harmed by college athletes getting money under the table to play? Do we think this hasn't been happening for a long time? Yeah. I mean, it's a marketplace. And, it, and how many, like, of the top five-star guys in basketball and football – I think the majority of them are getting something. Are you? Do you think I'm insane for believing that? No, absolutely not. I'm a little naive in the past when it comes to the Roy Williams and the Mike Krzyzewskis because, you know, I think especially Krzyzewskis had a lot of one and dones. Um, especially now, and recently. Bagley. Yeah, and, and, you know, Kyrie Irving. And so I, I think maybe um, at a place like Duke, it's not as corrupt as some of the other places because you come, you play on the national stage, you have an opportunity to go to a Final Four, you're going to be done the next year. And, I can't say that for Calipari because it seems like everywhere he's been, from UMass to Memphis and now Kentucky, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of baggage there. But, yeah, I'm with you. We're not naive. We know this kind of stuff goes on. And, I mean, if you're the Auburn Tigers, you're never going to do better than Bruce Pearl in college basketball. So you, you need to find a way, regardless of the direction this probe goes, to uh, make sure he stays there. Last question for you. Do you think anybody in Alabama is nervous over what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia. For a long time, there was nobody who could question the dynasty of Nick Saban in the SEC and in the country really at large. With what Kirby Smart has done, with the recruiting class that he put together this year, with the fact that, frankly, I think a lot of Alabama fans would have to acknowledge they were very fortunate to have won the national title game as they did. Is it crazy to believe that Kirby might be able to out Nick Saban, Nick Saban? Yeah, you know, Clay, I thought when Kirby got the job, I said he'll win a national championship within five years because he was the closest thing that I had seen to Nick Saban. It was kind of an unknown. Um, I thought Georgia was going to be the surprise of the SEC this year, and, you know, they actually exceeded my expectations. And when you look at Nick Saban, a guy that was really seasoned as a head coach when he took over at Alabama, Kirby did more in year two than Nick Saban did. Nick Saban was undefeated going into an SEC championship game, but he lost to Florida in that game. Kirby wins the SEC championship. They're up 13 nothing at halftime of the national championship game. And if Tungabaloa doesn't come in that game, if Hurts stays in the game, Alabama loses that game. They weren't scoring. Um, and Kirby would have won a national championship in year two. And you mentioned the recruiting. I mean, you know, they dusted Alabama when you really start to look at the numbers. So Alabama fans might not tell you they're a little nervous, but they got to be. It's an easier road in the SEC East. To me, Kirby's going to control the East. I think three or four years he will win the East, and that's going to be a one-game situation against Alabama. And look, to me, Georgia's getting better and better. Um, I don't know how many years Nick Saban's got left, but but to me, um, if I'm buying stock in teams right now in college football, if I can only buy four, I would buy Alabama, 
I'd buy Clemson, I'd buy Ohio State, and I'm buying Georgia. Georgia's not going anywhere. Good stuff, as always, at the Lance Taylor. Good luck on Valentine's Day, and thanks for coming to hang with us. I'm not paying, Clay. I don't get naked tonight. Um, I'm not paying. I don't care. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.